Welcome to Live Action Star Wars. I'm James. I'm Ralph. And today we are going back to the movies. Uh, for the first time in quite a while, we are going to talk about one of the Star Wars films. Uh, it is The Force Awakens from 2015. The first right. Disney and... era. <laughs> right. And we're not doing it alone. Nope. We're being joined by a professor of Star Wars. Uh, an all-around swell guy, Christopher Irving. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for uh, having me. Definitely and, our most scholarly guest that we've ever had on. <laughs> but maybe one of your messiest, so full disclosure. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, when, when you have a six-year-old boy and all of the cool <laughs> toys are in your office, um, <laughs> utter carnage happens like, I, I shouldn't be showing you guys, but this is what happens. All of oh, the Transformers amazing. just... It just wrecked. <laughs> but, anyways, so apologies in advance, guys. Oh, yeah. like, toys, toys are meant to be played with, always. Damn straight. Yeah. Stand he, by. he plays I, with, like, uh, all my vintage Star Wars. Like, you know, as, as I showed you guys, we we um, we um restored the Millennium Falcon during the pandemic. Took it apart, washed it. Amazing. Um, yeah, oh, and it, that's like, great. Yeah, how do you let your little kid play it? I'm like, no, no, you you teach them to yeah. take good care of your yeah. your old shit, which was made for kids. <laughs> Begin yeah, with people forget that, and um, in, in, in they're responsible with toys when they're old. Mm -hmm. So they'll they'll fall in love with the toy and they won't want to break it and just smash it around. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely, completely agree. That was that was my protest because I'm I was born in '87, so I inherited all my older brother and sister's vintage oh. stuff. So. I was six yeah, years old when I was playing with all of those. Wow. So, yeah, like it's, I yeah. get, I get that feeling. That's yeah, good stuff. Yeah. I mean, and again, I've told this story before, but I was born in 77 and I got hand-me-downs. So I had a snowspeeder with a pilot Luke. And then the only other action figure I had Star Wars wise to fit in the co-pilot seat in the back in Dak's position was uh the emperor mail away figure which did not fit <laughs> which did not those fit legs, those legs aren't going in there <laughs> yeah so it no, was no, luke, no. that's crazy it was luke no. flying on his own shooting at the emperor was my <laughs> that's my thing. that's kind of badass though you i mean know? that was like, that was your episode seven surely <laughs> yeah somehow you returned and then you just seven. you know snow speeders are cool yeah yeah. Well, okay. So I have a question. This is this is kind of. I'm so glad you're here because uh, you've taught in the short time that I got this new information. Because I've known you <laughs> for. I've been following you for a couple years based yeah, on. Many Bothan's spies died for that information, by the way. Because you produce action figures um, that yeah. that I love. I didn't know that you were a professor of Star Wars. That you did two courses in Star Wars, um, yeah. and one of them you mentioned is the influence. The influences that helped George Lucas create Star Wars in 1977. Yeah. Now, here comes The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. uh, Star Wars is this thing that George Lucas created, and there's, there's shades of Flash Gordon, Wizard of Oz, Kurosawa, uh, uh, the, the Hidden Fortress, uh, yeah. all of these things. Yeah. Cut to 2015, and J.J. Abrams' influence is Star Wars. It's like none of that stuff. Yeah. And and watching it yesterday a whole I don't know if it's been just the Star Wars fatigue or whatever, a whole lot of the magic of the Force Awakens is now gone for me. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I I, yeah. I 
could you talk about, I don't know, just George Lucas and, and influence and then now this new Disney era where the influence is yeah. just Star Wars. Yeah. Well, I think that I think you nailed it. Um, so this is so my two classes, Star Wars um, decoded is about all of the influences leading up to episode four. We do fit episode five and there as well because Empire Strikes Back is a masterpiece. And yeah. like my students haven't seen Star Wars on the big screen because they're 1920. Yeah. They're Clone Wars kids, which I think is, is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and then Star Wars Effect picks up with Return of the Jedi and it follows uh, the rise mm. of the digital. And we don't get into the sequels at all. We talk about the prequels. We mm-hmm. talk about the cartoons. Um, but the thing is, George Lucas started as an experimental filmmaker, and he continued to be an experimental filmmaker even through the prequel. Um, mm. Don't let anyone shit on the prequels because uh, he was uh, pushing the prequel. Um, he, you know, like we can have like you know, because of the things that he accomplished with um, the prequels, but they were experimental films. He was experimenting how he produced them, how he put them together. Um, but beyond that, they were about Episode one through six are about history. They're based in history, whether it's Richard Nixon and Watergate, whether it's World War II. Um, there's a, a historical basis for everything. And so he he kind of, that was the, the, the kind of framework he, he hung everything on. Um, episode seven is about, like you said, it's about Star Wars. And it's why, like, people are going nuts over Andor. Andor is about history, yeah. about the rise of fas- fascism, yeah. right? Um, which I think is even more relevant in the age of Donald Trump, because there have been, you know, I'm teaching World War II in my other class, uh, VizCom. Mm-hmm. We're doing a World War II section, and the parallels, regardless of your political affiliation, are eerie. Um, you know, Richard Nixon was the basis for Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Like he said that um, in when, in the original trilogy or yeah. like across yeah yeah all of them yeah and but yeah. then keep in mind episode three came out during um, the war on terror yeah you, know? you can see it especially in I think two and three three in particular like the yeah. things he he had his plan for the the prequel trilogy but like after nine yep. eleven stuff changed you know I think in us, his mind and everyone yeah. yeah. You're with us or against us, right? Yeah. And so the the thing with episode seven is I feel like a lot of it was a reaction against the prequels because people were bitching about the prequels. Like, it's not line. Yeah, Gen Xers are like, oh, it's not, it doesn't feel like, it's like, dude, you're not six years old anymore. Like, of course it's not. And it's not for you. He's making them for the next generation. And because of that, we have a bunch of 19 to 20 year olds who love the prequels. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know what it makes me think of? Um, it's like a, a a tribute cover album episode seven is Mm. where they do like kind of tribute songs, but they don't really know what the songs are about to begin with. And so like, like I'll I'll put it this way. It's a good version of the song, but it doesn't have the same meaning as the song is the way I sort of see it. Yeah they don't know what it's about you know mm. i mean it's it, it's like um what is episode seven really about 
What are the resistance? Who can tell me what the resistance? Well, are? that's yeah, yeah. It, it, resistance it, is tough. Do, what, what are, does Princess Leia have a private secret militia? What the fuck? Like, would she? <laughs> right. You know, like, uh, what is it? Yeah, what, yeah. What is it's, resistance? It's, what is the it's, first order? It's the thing that I think it happened a lot with the sequels because this is they're the most recent, so there isn't as yeah. much stuff in between. Um, with the prequels, a lot of people sort of go back and sort of say the Clone Wars quote-unquote fixed the prequels they they did so much to elevate some of the themes and stuff because it was stuff that they didn't have enough room to do in those three movies in the sequel trilogy you're getting a lot of that in books and comics i think books in particular um but it's like it's if you're gonna just make a film series it should be on screen it should it should be there and then the ancillary material should be exactly that it should be you know what i agree with you and i think a lot of the ancillary transmedia material was just to try and cover up their poor storytelling um because the the prequels you can still watch the prequels and know what's going on Mm -hmm. um lucas has a great handling of backstory Episode four, and I, I tell this often to my students, um, and Ralph, you, I'm sure you can relate here because we're both like kind of the OG generation, right. is, um, and, and you would probably remember this too as well, James, but like the Clone Wars was a line in episode mm. four. Mm-hmm. Like you can watch episode four and as a kid, you get, okay, the these, yeah, these are good guys, these are bad guys. They weren't Mm -hmm. dependent, it wasn't dependent on all of the ideas he had for one through three. But also, as an adult, you can watch it, and you can kind of see a little bit more, like, if you listen to a line of dialogue, oh, this is the moment that the Old Republic is gone. So, like, this is a fascist government (laughs) at play. And and so you can kind of pick up on those things. Um, It's because George Lucas at least had enough of a plan to know how to convey backstory. But the back the the story wasn't dependent on that. Um, now, in the case of of episode, so this is the way I describe episode nine. I'm going to get ahead a little bit. I had three wisdom teeth extracted the week before. <laughs> oh no! And okay. I tell people regularly, and my poor students have heard this. My partners heard it. I would prefer the pain of local anesthetic with three wisdom <laughs> teeth in my early forties to sitting through that fucking movie again because it was like the epitome of like the corporate like kind of focus group like you know and it it was like a soulless piece of shit like there there's just nothing about that movie um if i if anything works it's kylo ren and that's because adam driver's like legendary yeah, he's, he's got it, right. it was so dumb it was so bad it was like it was incompetent and ineffectual as as a story. Um, and I think the problem with episode seven is they didn't think, what is this about? What is the story? And how can, you know, how can we make it a competent story? Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, the, uh, they, they were a little too on the nose for the First Order being not space Nazis. Like, it, it's kind of like you, you, you go for that when, when you can't think of like a smarter way to kind of create the this archetype but even then what's their plan okay we're gonna take a planet and we're gonna turn into a big fucking cannon yeah and it's gonna have a limited range so we can't do anything with it like we can only blow up like planets in like this vicinity yeah Yeah, it can't move it can't Mm. move 
Yeah. And it pulls energy from a star, which may or may not make it go supernova. Who knows? I was going to say, and then and then you're surely surely limited by the amount of power that you can draw from that star, because eventually it will run yeah. out. So yeah. yeah. And, but then it's like, we're going to give it the exact same plot the Death Star had. Oh, we're going to shield it better. It'll be, and it'll be big enough for fighters. We've lost two Death Stars. Like, and where did they get the money? It's There's nothing about it that makes any sense. You right. know, other than we want to do another Death Star. It's a very kind of Republican idea. Like, oh, we're going to do it bigger. Yeah. yeah. I, I was listening to a podcast. Time, do it bigger next time. Like, yeah, I was listening to a podcast that, yeah. that said that it would probably be more interesting if the Republic created Starkiller Base. Mm. And it was taken yeah. over by... Mm-hmm. It had like been that, like a fascist regime. Yeah, yeah. It had been in the works. Like I don't know. They'd been demilitarized, but they were like, "Hey, the the Empire started this project, but it was abandoned. Uh, let's yeah. let's go in and finish it off." It's kind of but, like a, a Jurassic Parky sort of feel to that. I feel like yeah, like but building on the work of other people. Yeah, but but even then, I mean, it still doesn't make sense, you know. But we don't even know what the New Republic is because they want to avoid politics. And so if you do Star Wars devoid of any political uh, background or, or anything like that, then you're going to get episodes seven through nine. Mm. Like it's, it's not, you know, yeah. Lucas has said in the, uh, the really excellent Star Wars archives, <clears throat> all the movies are about symbiosis, right? Mm-hmm. And when people come together and work together, that's when they can achieve things. The Empire was a bunch of people in it for themselves, Hmm. Um, they formed because all of the politicians couldn't agree. We're again, we're seeing that today. Our, um, y- you know, the the Republicans can't get together to have a Speaker of the House, and people in Ukraine and um, in Israel, uh, Palestine cannot get their aid that we're supposed to help them with. Um, ultimately, we may have a shutdown because there's no symbiosis, and so I, I think you know to really we can study episodes one through six and we can compare them to apply them to real life and to history. What can we apply seven through nine to star Wars? Like it's, yeah. it's Wars. that's it. It's yeah. they are, yeah. they are, I, I enjoy all of the sequel trilogy um, on different levels. For well, different it was nice talking. To um, no, not at all. This is good. Like, I like well, we've gone on, we've, conversation. Yeah, go we've on, gone bro. on records. We, we, we enjoy episode nine. I'd like episode nine. Uh, uh yeah. But it's the yeah. same reason I like episode two, which a lot of people say is their least favorite or episode nine is their least favorite. I like um, to, uh, I, like I, I feel like two is the most flash Gordon serial version yeah. of star Wars that George Lucas put on screen. Um, and I was actually, before I started working on the project I'm working on now, uh, it, it started dividing up that movie to create a serialized version of it. Um, Ooh, and it, it works cool. so good. That's it works so idea. good. The, um, the bit that I've seen is is very good. Yeah, um, but but I like rise because here's the thing, and we're going to get into this on our next episode uh, because we are going to be talking. Uh, and this is a, we usually save this for the end of the show. Our next episode, we're going to be covering um, uh, uh, the Last Jedi. Because we yeah. are going to be watching the director in the Jedi, uh, the the documentary made for that movie, uh, because again, like this felt like this movie feels like such a such a retread, mm-hmm. and 
watching this, watching Force Awakens now really made me want to watch The Last Jedi. Because I'm not the biggest Last Jedi fan. Um, I really like the stuff with Luke. Uh, I don't really care for the other stuff. But, like, really seeing how different it is um, makes me really uh, interested in revisiting it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we've gotten so much Star Wars in the last, you know, seven years. Um, and, and I am getting fatigue. Uh, uh, Andor was a huge bright spot yeah. uh, for me um, after watching Rebels and Clone Wars. Um, Ahsoka was a bright spot for me until the, the final episode. I thought it just landed with a thud. Um, I thought it started with a thud. <laughs> I, th- it I think kind of five was phenomenal. It's like one of the best Star Wars anything. I've is ever that Filoni's? Yeah. Yeah. Five, yeah. five was the, yeah. Yeah. But it's, so it's, it's, so now it's like, I'm kind of like, I'm, I like, I want Andor. And I think you saying the reason why Andor is different is because it's about history. I think I like that more. Mm, um, yeah. There was history stuff in Ahsoka, but it's all fantasy based. I'm not yes. huge into fantasy. Um, like, I just, I don't like, I want, I want the science of Star Wars. Um, and, and I like the adventure. I mean, Han, like Solo is my favorite Star Wars movie of the Disney era. There's yeah, no, yeah. there's no fantasy. There's no, there's no bullshit. It's all, it's, it's an adventure serial, basically. Mm. Um, it's more I slick think Solo's, and more modern. I think, yeah, Solo's the closest to episode two, I'd say, of the, the Disney era movies, yeah. just because of that adventure feel to it. It's, yeah. 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 I, I think Rogue One's the best, honestly. Oh, yeah. Them, I, but it's, I think... I, that's my favorite of the. Yeah, but I think I think era. Solo gets crapped on a lot, and it's a really like it's a much better movie than I think people give it credit for. I, 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 I don't think it was fair to Alden Ehrenreich. I, I think had they not had Harrison Ford in Episode Seven, I think people would have liked Solo more because I I, I think it was hard I for agree. them because they were reminded, you know, that that, you know, this very distinctive actor uh, who defined this role is Han Solo. And then it's like, oh, yeah, there's this new guy. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think of Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. And I grew up with Alec Guinness. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think there was enough of a, you know, you had that buffer. Where, 17 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's it's like when they made Brandon Routh Superman. Superman Returns reminded people of Christopher Reeve. Yeah, and, he was yeah. he was very very similar. Yeah, and so it's kind of like it's kind of like it's kind of like putting your new significant other in your ex's clothes. Oof. It's just not yeah. fair to them, and it's kind of yeah. fucked up. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I, I will say about episode eight, I I actually think episode eight has some good stuff in it. I, I think it. that Ryan Johnson, um, you know, he actually had themes within the movie. And it, it was a Star Wars movie that was working on deconstructing the Star Wars movie. Um, and, and it ended in such a great place. And I kind of consider that the end. Because, like, Episode Nine is a great sequel to Episode Seven. <laughs> it kind of, like, ignored, uh, you know, uh, because it, it basically, Episode Eight put the Resistance back in the place they were in even further um is we can assume at the beginning of, of episode four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that it was, it was a really clever way to go. And it also, you know, I felt made Ray a more powerful character. It said, you don't have mm-hmm. to be a Skywalker. And in a way it opened up the concept more 
across this galaxy far, far away. Um, you know, I, I don't love what they did with Poe, but, you know, Poe really... I love that Poe is just this old-fashioned yeah. hero character, um, but I can see where they were trying to give him something. I, I think what it kind of boils down to for me is that they didn't really have a vision of who these new characters were. There was no um, cohesion across the, no. the films, and I think if they'd had that, I think it's the biggest problem with them in a filmmaking sort of sense, is that there isn't that cohesive thing. If they'd been able to do that, they could have probably dialed in Poe and Finn's arcs better. Um, they could have given them arcs that made well, sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's, yeah. Because they're all, I mean, all three of them are excellent characters. They're all really yep. fun and engaging and Great charismatic actors. and you love watching them. But when you sort of take a, a step back and this movie sets everyone up, but then it's the way that they're handled going forward in both the other ones that it's like, and is that, I mean, I don't know uh, if that's Ryan Johnson or if that's Lucasfilm. Uh, well, I they didn't it, really know yeah. what they were doing. Like they, they've admitted that, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have just let every writer do something. You know, yeah. they didn't have, a, yeah. and that's where I think Kathleen Kennedy deserves a lot of the blame. Because I, it's job as producer to make sure that these work, you know, as, yeah. as movies. It's, and it's, it's, yeah. I just finished reading um, Joanna Robertson and Dave Gonzalez's book, uh, MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios, and that's fantastic. Uh, It's a really, really great book. Even if you're not into the Marvel films, it's just a really good book on filmmaking and the process that they've done. And so much of the focus of that, obviously, is Kevin Feige and how he is the deciding factor. He had to fight for that role against there was like a creative committee and like Perlmutter yeah. and like a lot of, he had to put in but he put in that fight look, look, look at how my cat's sitting that's an amazing <laughs> like the most relaxed cat i've ever seen um, like, I love he's it. 20 pounds we're, we're trying to get him to lose weight but he's eccleston draper he's just like it looks hey, like bro. the so smug the the bottom of the movie sat on his lap um. Yeah, well, <laughs> I should have. Oh, 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 wait. So, anyways, you, you were. I got distracted by my. No, boy. it's all good. But yeah, okay. um, in like you sort of you realize just how much of a fight Kevin Feige had to do to have the control that he does in that. And yeah. again, for all of the the pros and the cons of the MCU, there is a cohesion to them, or at least there has been until I think until Disney Plus came along. There was a mm. a, a cohesion because yeah. he had his finger in all of them like he was he was directly involved with all of them and yeah kathleen kennedy not being the same type of producer probably is is at least very partially to blame i think the biggest thing for me is they went after jj first we they that's been well documented and he turned it down said no i don't want to do it i don't want the pressure of doing a star war and then they they were probably looking around still and then he came back and said yeah cool i'll do one i'll do this one i'll relaunch it yeah and that's the thing so then they had to go right crap we've got these deadlines we're not shifting these deadlines uh someone in the comments early on mentioned it here jeremy kelly mentioned it um he wished each movie was able to breathe a little longer instead of being like yeah. sticking to the strict release dates. It's... I think that was, that is a big thing because they had those release dates. They needed to be in production on eight before they were done with seven. Yeah. And so they needed someone else. Cause JJ wasn't coming back at that point. Yeah. And so they had someone else. You get someone like Ryan Johnson, who's going to want to have his own story. He's only going to want to do it. If he's going to be able to tell his own thing. 
and that's where you get the disconnect. And then, of course, you've got JJ coming back to quote unquote rescue it from yeah. uh, the the other version that was out there. And whether you think that one would have been any better or not, I I've skim read the scripts and it's fine. There's there's some stuff that's interesting. There's some stuff that's really terrible. Um, it's like he's then reacting to ryan's movie and trying to sequelize his movie and none of it gels very well together but they're still fun rides but that, in my that's opinion. the producer's job though you know it's, yeah. it's kind of like tie it um you know i read a i'm a comic book guy mostly mm. and a comic book historian and a good editor takes like we'll say a superman book and they make sure that from each creative team to the next, yeah, um, you know, there's at least enough cohesion um, mm. so that yeah. you know these are people who get the characters. But when you don't know who the characters are, and when you don't have, it, this is what really kills me is that they had Dave Filoni there the entire time, and it's kind of like the the way. And I'm not saying Dave Filoni needed to direct the movies, but I I think that he needed to have a hand as a producer. It's almost as if your roommate is an electrician and you go ahead and hire an outside contractor to fix your outlet. Um, It's just, it's just like mind boggling that they had this guy who was Lucas's protege who proved through clone wars that like, he gets it. Like he understands how everything is. Yeah. Um, Because you need someone to kind of like a Kevin Feige to make sure there's a consistency and it, it just, this whole concept of, you know, we're going to build a shared cinematic universe with Star Wars the same way Marvel does. Um, okay, that's a great idea. But if you don't have some, anyone who really has a sense of what this universe is and how we form it, then then that really can... Um, I mean, it's well, been evidenced. Sure. It's been evidenced by all the other, like the DCEU or the the very quickly failed uh, Universal Monsters, like Dark Universe thing. Like all of these, like shared universe attempts that were reactionary to Marvel. Like none of them worked because none of them had that same central figure in control well, of it all. Th- this is the analogy I gave in my superhero class the, between the DC and Marvel cinematic universes. Um, okay, Ralph, you have a steak. James, you have a steak. Um, apologies if either of you were vegan, but just go with me. Oh, a steak. All right, a steak. Okay, so you're both starving, and James is like, I'm gonna eat this fucking steak now. You throw it in the microwave, you microwave it for like three minutes. Ralph is like, fuck that. I'm gonna like pan sear it, I'm gonna put it in the oven, and and you know cast iron skillet i'm going to season it I'm, maybe it'll take two hours i don't care well whose steak is going to be better Ralph's. Ralph's. because ralph took the time to really mm. tend to the steak and he let the steak slowly marinate and cook mm. and i feel like the mcu is ralph's steak because I, I, they, they until just, until recently i, I until, agree until with recently you. yeah, yeah. But like initially yeah. and then the dcu i feel was kind of like Go, go, go. Um, catch up, like, catch up. Very catch up. reactionary. Yeah, very like, we're going to get this done quick. Um, you know, and, and it's, yeah, just my feeling. There's some great comments. Someone, 
yeah. Stevie said he's the Jeff Goldblum of cats. He's <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. Use that Stevie, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Kelly wife. here again. I, he wants his Marvel to be Marvel and his Star Wars to be Star Wars. Yeah, I'm not saying that I want my Star Wars to be Marvel uh, at all. I, I always want my Star Wars to be Star Wars. Um, I think Ralph. And, I don't know if we've mentioned it on the show, but Ralph and I, I think, are both pretty burnt out on most of the MCU stuff at this point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I haven't watched Loki. Uh, but it's it's. It's just the, the cohesion is all I'm talking about. That's the only like but, analogy that I'm making between the two. But here's here's the thing. So with The Force Awakens uh, in 2015 when that trailer dropped, I remember where I was when I saw that trailer, that yeah. teaser trailer, where BB-8's rolling in the desert and, the, and, and Finn gets up yeah. uh, in the desert. And the desert and the desert and the desert. So many deserts in Star Wars. Um, again, it's retreading stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, new planets, guys. It's Jakku. Uh, it's not Tatooine. Come on, man. It's not Tatooine. Yeah. Um, you may dress like people on Tatooine, but, but it's not Tatooine. But, I mean, the, the hype for me and the excitement for me for The Force Awakens was the fact that we hadn't had it in, like, ten years. That's it. And, I, and the the excitement for episode one is I hadn't had it in seventeen years, yep. and so it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, Star Wars. I don't think the more you start shoving Star Wars down our throats, the less special it becomes. Mm. And I'm really feeling that. Um, you know this this is the thing I I, I have. So I, I had a friend, uh, Seth Kushner, who I worked on a book with, Leaping Tall Buildings. And Seth um, was diagnosed with leukemia around the time they announced episode seven. He's a huge Star Wars fan. And um, it actually cleared up, like it went away. And um, a few months or so, may, maybe about eight months before the movie was going to come out, um, and our plan was for me to go up to New York and see it with him uh, for show. And uh, his brain cancer, he developed brain cancer, possibly from the chemo. Um, and it took him in the May of that year. Uh, he was a little bit older than me, just a few years. So it was hard for me because I didn't have him with me. Yeah. Um, but it, it really drove home the experience of seeing Star Wars and how important Star Wars was because we hadn't had it in years. Um, and I do remember the, the, the thing I will say about the Lucas films is that Lucas was brilliant to have each one a different set of films. Mm. Like they're visually. And, and so the problem yeah. with the new one with episode seven was it felt too much like star Wars by design. Um, and yeah. it didn't feel quirky, different or original enough. Um, but I, I want you to keep in mind, like we're talking about how, how quick they, they rushed through these, um, the original star Wars movies took years to develop because they were practical. And then when they became digital, they still took years to develop. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's kind of back to my steak, steak analogy, like the older movies up until maybe 15 to 20 years ago were not crapped out. They were yeah. crafted. They were yeah. developed slowly. They, mm -hmm. you know, they may have had to rush all of those special effects on Return of the Jedi at the last minute, but it still looked really damn good. They yeah. still spent yeah. a long time crafting the story. That's not the case with these. They they turn them around very quickly. But the, the next one's in production before the last one's finished. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't yeah. mean they should. You know, and so we have this yeah. assembly line um, 
it's what gives me hope for whatever the next one ends up being, whether it's Dave's or the Ray movie or whatever it is, because they've now taken this time. The hope is that they've gone and they've gone, okay, cool, right. We but, we got it. We put them out. We did these five films uh, for however you want, however you like them or dislike them or what levels people enjoyed them. Yeah. But now we've we sort of established it. We've got it on TV. Fine. Let's wait until our film is ready instead of setting a release date and marching towards it whether it's ready or not let's make a movie and when it's ready release it yeah i I think it'd be great if they got a director who did not normally make genre films to do star wars Mm. i mean really um because again lucas was a new hollywood guy yeah yeah yeah, yeah, his contemporaries were scorsese and of course francis ford coppola famously Mm -hmm. um and it's just, uh, so I was talking with, um, the gentleman who, uh, he was in American graffiti, um, Terry McGovern. He was like the creepy teacher, right? Oh, okay. And then later he did some voiceover work for George in star Wars, a new hope. He was the, these aren't the droids we're looking for. That mm-hmm. was him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was talking about American graffiti and it's just like Lucas, uh, if, if anyone hasn't seen American graffiti, I think it's his oh, best amazing. film. Yeah, it's so good. And like the sound design alone, so is, good. I teach it for the sound design alone. But also, yeah. the way he filmed it was he treated it like a documentary. Um, so he would let the actors improvise. Um, you know, he cast them all as an ensemble, mm. and he would just kind of like sit back and like they do the scene, and he wouldn't say anything, and the actors were just like, "Are we?" and that's how you get this sense of realism and so he brought that sense of realism in in how he made even star wars a new hope but you know there's still that sense of fun it's almost like you have adults playing kids playing adults in space and and there's a certain energy it brings and and i don't know they're playing Star Wars characters. The like the 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 cast now are playing Star Wars characters as opposed to playing characters who happen to be in Star Wars. Um, yeah, I still really I love feel the like movie. <laughs> I still I feel like yeah. we're shitting on it, but like I I do still really love it. I watched it last night and I I had a ton of fun. Yeah, I feel like Solo. Uh, the energy in Solo, the movie Solo, um, comes from Ron Howard's experience with George Lucas. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I talk about Solo a lot. Uh, on, uh, I was a we guest. It was a, yeah. yeah, I love Solo. But also, just a quick plug: uh, later today is premiering an episode of the Holdo Maneuver podcast, where I'm a guest, where we talk about Solo more. And if you want to hear me just gush about Solo, like yeah. um, that's that's amazing, where to go. It'll be tonight. Amazing Londo. Um, oh yeah. yeah. I can't wait for that movie when when that comes. And again, that's that's someone who, um, because he's Donald as and his brother Stephen have written that movie or the latest version of whatever that project will be. Um, I mean, Atlanta's theirs, and they've they've written stuff before. But I I wouldn't strictly say that Atlanta is a a genre story. Like it's it's definitely there are episodes and there are things in there, but they've they've done some amazing stuff together. So. I am so fascinated with what that will be. Yeah. Oh, hey, you just realized what? 
is that Ludwig Gorg, Ludwig Gorenson will probably do this the music for that movie. I hope so. Yeah, movie. I mean, yeah, we, we just get a new um, Childish Gambino album just in time yeah. for a Lando movie. That'd be great. Hey, and also, guys, speaking of plugs, if before I forget, um, so I am in Richmond, Virginia. Well, I'm a little outside of Richmond right now, um, in suburban hell, but I'm outside of Richmond, Virginia. My best friend is a guy named Brett Carreras, and he has an all Star Wars store in cool. Regency Square Mall. And it's just like, it's in an old jewelry store and he's got like loose figures. He's got vintage figures. He's got like, like it's insane. I just, I, I need to get that word out before I forget. I, I, I mentioned that, yeah. that to you, that my uh, job may uh, involve me going to Virginia. Um, really? You know, when? People when? who know, what I don't, about? I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go, uh, it, uh, I, I probably shouldn't be mentioning it. Um, I'm, I'm producing a documentary about Lost. Um, and oh. so that might take us there. So people, cool. I, I hope they don't figure it out. But if, if it's near Richmond, I, I, I'm very excited to A, do that, yeah, that interview. But also, I'm going to go to that store because I have a, yeah. Darth Vader, a Darth Vader carrying case that my sister got me about, I don't know, 15 years ago that I've been slowly filling up over the course of the last oh, yeah, I've got one right uh, here. I, I, I picked one up and also I got like uh, about, um, uh, eight years ago, a guy at a garage sale. Okay. I'm going to hop. I, I'm on a boot for my right foot. Cause I have this, oh. uh, annoying, um, like there's a tiny bone right under my big toe that's out of wax. So I've got to go get a cat scan. Um, but this guy was just like, for a hundred bucks, I got a land speeder, which that's I'd always amazing. wanted. And this wonderful case. Have you guys seen one of these before? Oh, not seen that. That's awesome. Star World. It's not Star Wars, uh-huh. but it's Star World. I, and in it... I know somebody that has the that that Darth Vader. This, like the Star I have World the Darth, Darth Vader, Vader case right here. Yeah. Um, but that fake Darth I, Vader. I, oh, all of great. that. They're, they're like in amazing shape and all original. Um, they don't yeah, have there's the a couple I need. But, is, yeah, that, they, is that the first 12? Like the ones that were like the, the Christmas card pack ones? Is that, is that the same? Which 12 early bird? Are those the early, the early bird? bird? Is that the early bird set? I or? No. no? I oh, okay. Luke, I think I Luke was in there. Are, Luke was in like, there. Yeah. I, I don't know, think there was oh, a yeah. hammerhead in there. Was there. Lightsaber. Uh-huh. Um, and like the retro ones Hasbro does, I think look awful. Cause it, it, it feels like they just like, take these and make a cast out of the actual figures mm. and they've got these weird like Nosferatu long hands and you know <laughs> like the because I, I was looking at the Jedi Knight Luke that they made and um, I have the original it's my favorite figure that, that was always mine growing up yeah I, so think I think I talked about that last week, that, that figure and the lightsaber that came with it. I, I told a story about losing that lightsaber as a kid and it just haunting me. I, I don't know where my lightsaber is to yeah. it either. And if you're looking for quality figures, um, uh, oh. <laughs> go go get uh, uh, Snaps, Snap City Swag on Instagram. Yeah. Instagram, and, yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I make stuff for Mike Allred, um, and with Mike, yeah. uh, Mike created Madman, uh, which is an amazing indie superhero existentialist pop culture comic book. Um, and you can kind of see all of the Madman stuff right there. Um, yeah. 
But we do have three new figures that are going into production really soon. Um, I'm excited. So on, I have my pre-ordered backer kit. If you missed the Kickstarter, nice. um, and they're uh, yeah, it's a madman without his mask. His name's Frank Einstein, and he's got like a metal plate and scars and green skin. And Madwoman and It Girl. Um, we're we hit some kind of issues with the factory, but so they're a little later coming out than we hope. That's fine. But um, but yeah, they're coming out, and then I have an idea for a really sexy madman figure um, after that. But we're still it, it won't be that. Uh, I was originally go- going to do an atomics line, but we can't find a factory that will do kind of the numbers we want anymore. So um, I, I have something else that I'm coming up with, but that's that's like you know within the next Down the year. Line. Cool. Yeah. And if anybody wants to hear Mike Allred talk about Mandalorian, which he's probably the biggest fan I know, uh, he <laughs> yeah, was on he my is. Patreon covering the the finale of season, season one, one? the season one finale, season I one, think. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's yeah, on my Patreon, but it's also on our YouTube channel if you look for Ralph's Mandalorian show. That was pre live action Star Wars. Um, what sort of Mike started all of it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mike's yeah. great. Mike's an enormous Star Wars nut, and you know he's friends yeah. with Robert Rodriguez, so he just went yeah. nuts when um, Boba Fett came out. Yeah, it's just his two favorite things, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about Christopher. I'm not sure if there is, but I I want to hear about some things that you maybe do like about this film. Let's let's not let's about not episode seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I love the cast. Great. Um, the cast I, is. I want. I want to talk about phenomenal. the cast. Phenomenal, uh, and, yeah. and this is what what kills me is that, you know, uh, the classic trilogy had, um, you know, he cast Lucas cast an ensemble, and they were unknowns. Mm-hmm. But um, with the prequels, I, I feel like they kind of they kind of cast flavors of the week. You know, they were, um, you know, they were established actors. People knew who they were. And it didn't mean they necessarily had the best uh, chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm so happy to have seen Hayden Christensen get a point, a, a chance to show us how amazing he is, Zanakin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because I, I feel like he was kind of robbed uh, yep. in those movies. So I, I love the cast. Um, uh, I, I just I love seeing Han Solo again, but I just. I mean, I, I think I have more criticism than, than, than I have praise for yeah. those movies, but... I like um, I like BB-8. <laughs> like, I thought I was BB-8 gonna was say, a bad that was design. Kind when of I was watching me. it last night, um, yeah. I thought, like, because it starts with him. He's the first sort of character we see. We yeah. see some stormtroopers first, but he's the first character that we see. And I feel like that was a big thing for the movie that... And I, I think it's quite telling that your reaction to BB-8 there uh, was if... I think for for audiences, it, they show him so early and they feature him so early that it's like, if this character works for you, you're in for the film. If yeah. it doesn't or you're middling on it, <laughs> it probably is going to be like, that's your feeling for the film. Like, and- I, I have an anecdote around mm-hmm. that. Um, so I, my son, you know, he's six, but I didn't know. I didn't think I was ever going to have kids at this mm-hmm. point. Like I always wanted kids, but I just like, uh, you know. I don't know if it's going to work out for me. Um, and I was really upset that I didn't have a son or a daughter to enjoy Star Wars with. Um, but I did take my niece, um, who was, I think she was five or six at the time. 
Um, and she loved R2-D2. And I took her to see episode seven. I was really excited. We're in a full theater and she started squirming. And I'm just like, oh. okay, I'm like, sweetie, just sit down. Come on, we've got it. And she was just really kind of cutting up a bit. And she wanted to sit on my lap. And she was like, I have to go to the bathroom. Then she's like, I'm bored. And and so I, you know, it's just like, okay, well, she's five or six, you know, I, I'm, she wanted to leave. And I asked her in the hallway um, as I was getting a passes. I'm like, I just want to know why, why do you want to leave? You know, it's okay. You're not in trouble. I'm not upset with you. Um, and she's like, well, I was waiting for R2-D2 and he didn't show up. And I was so proud of her, you know, <laughs> in a weird way. But, but I think my problem with BB-8 is that he's too good. Like the reason, you know, I think R2 works is R2's a little bit of an asshole. But we oh, yeah, really he's know he's he's in the best way. <laughs> you know, BB-8's like, he's a good little boy. And, you know, yeah. he, he's cute, but he, he does, and he also doesn't have a foil which I, I think is, is part yeah. of what hurts it. So it's kind of like, for me, um, you know, R2 and 3PO are the kind of the core of Star Wars. They're, they're based off the peasants. George thing. Lucas said it was supposed to be through their eyes. It's the, it's the yeah. hidden fortress. The hidden fortress, yeah. So you take the lowest social class, and, and so you witness war from, from their perspective. Um, you know, but it, it yeah. So, yeah, not having R2, at least. Like, I can understand 3PO because, you know, God bless Anthony Daniels for still putting that goddamn suit on. And I mean, God bless the man. Yeah. But it, it was kind of like, um, yeah, I mean, you, you didn't you didn't have a character who was more relatable in, in that mm. sense with BB-8. But, I mean, he looked amazing. Mm. Uh, he's a brilliant, a brilliant droid. Uh, I, I just I think he's got he's got personality. It's just the personality didn't necessarily work for you. I think your analogy there of him being like a good little boy. I think the difference yeah. between him and Arthur is like, yeah, BB-8 is this really pretty well behaved but adorable little puppy. Yeah. Whereas Arthur's a slightly older dog who knows when he can push the boundaries. He knows when he can be a bit of a dick. And then you know, Chopper doesn't run in that puddle. And then Chopper is yeah, that like, dog great. who hasn't really been trained very well. He's but a cat. You love him anyway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. like Eccleston. Yeah, I mean, he. There's this great moment in, uh, and again, it's a character moment. And I don't feel like they had enough of these. Where uh, uh, when I say character moment, it's an action that reveals more about who the character is. And there's this great one where there's like a droid that. I think the Empire had put a virus or so, did some type of control and they clear the control out and the droid's like, doo, 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 and, and they're on the ship and BB-8 pushes him out of like the bomb port or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And it's yeah, just yeah. like, wow. Oh like, yeah, Chopper, Chopper's yeah. a mass murderer. Like he's he's got a body yeah. count for sure. Like such I saw someone asshole. someone took uh, the shots of them in that, that uh, tribunal in Ahsoka and they had... A shot of I think what was it Carson Tava and Chopper there, and it was just the screenshot. And I think the caption was like, "If someone had told me that this was a war crimes trial, like I would have absolutely believed it." Because he <laughs> he, you know, he's he's killed a lot of people. I think he blew yeah. up a star destroyer on his own at some he's point. Cool. Yeah, he, yeah, he 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 used like some sort of magnetic device to collide two star destroyers together. Yeah, when he didn't have to. Well, yeah. Oh no, 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 he, he doesn't. Space, uh, ride space horses across them. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, it's like space horses. Like all you do is go. <laughs> Sorry, man. And it's also another thing that bothers me. With the nine is it's kind of like they they just yes they had Londo. I'm so glad, but it's kind of like they set the black people off doing this thing, and the what and, and it's just like yeah. no no. What's so great about the classic Star Wars is, um, granted they only had There's... like one brother in the whole galaxy, but yeah. that was like a level of representation we just didn't have. Yeah, nineteen eighty three. I felt, I felt, and, like... and it was never a, th- a thing. It wasn't ever like there was. There wasn't an obvious sort of segregation of characters because, unfortunately, because there was only one. But he yeah. was so yeah. he was involved with everyone else. He was integrated yeah. with everyone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just, the, it, uh... it just that, that always rubbed me the wrong way with episode nine. Is I, I just because I, I, I. And another thing that I I loved about seven was the Finn and Poe bromance. Yeah, um, right. Because I. I think they should have went through through the lens of being a parent. And I want my son to see um, media where, you know, we have people of all different backgrounds, um, people who love representation is important. Yeah, it is. And I also really am really want to see, have my son seeing close male relationships Yeah, because my male friends, I tell them I love them. I give them hugs. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think that it's, it's really important to have that model because, you know, Luke and Han had a pretty close relationship. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, yes. Tommy, my cat's named Eccleston Draper. Um, he's named, uh, I've actually told this to uh, Christopher Eccleston in person. I moderate okay. for Galaxy <laughs> Con. And um, uh, I was like, yeah, I named my cat after you. Um, the reason why and I didn't tell this to Chris, who's a lovely man, if you ever get to meet him, he's, he's kind of grumpy and curmudgeonly in real life, but like, that's who he, he's, he's really yeah. super, Harrison super Ford. Oh my God. He's, I he's think of the doctor who, of the doctor who I've seen, uh, I think I, I gravitated toward him, towards him the most. He reminded me of like a Timothy Dalton type of bond where he was just like, yeah, I just, he's just, phenomenal. Um, but Eccleston uh, wears all black. My cat also wears all black. He has big ears <laughs> and he vocally defies authority. Um, and, and, uh, and Draper is his last name after Don Draper because I was going to say um, it's got to be, yeah, Mad Men. Right? Yeah, he always would love um, any any of my female friends. And he also stuck his nose in my old fashioned one night. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to answer. Smokes like a chimney as well. <laughs> he does. A, uh... I know. Like seven packs a day is, you know, and I have to tell the vet like he's the first uh, diagnosed case of kitty emphysema. <laughs> um, just finding the the he has to roll his own cigarettes right actually i have to roll them for him don't tell anyone i'm sorry <laughs> sorry spca please don't arrest me um he he's old enough that he can in, in human year in cat years he's like the equivalent of 18 i think there you go yeah <laughs> but yeah our cats oh stevie uh yeah what, so, what are the cats names so we have vesper who we uh, named we named Vesper ourselves. Um, she's she's a handful. Um, she kept me up all last night, so I am like dead tired. Uh, and then we have uh, Franz, who came with the name, so he's Franz Oberhauser from uh, Spectre. Um, yeah, yeah. Who's I think that's a trend that would continue. Who's, who's your favorite Bond? Uh, I think Daniel Craig. I think is the best yeah. one. Mm-hmm. 
Um, my 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 Bond ranking of Bond actors is real. It, it's it's not conventional. It's so really my, not conventional. My favorite is Dalton. Yeah, see, he's Dalton my number two. I love Dalton. I love the books. I, I have like a full set here. Um, and Dalton is my favorite because to me, he captures the, the character physically, but also emotionally. Yeah. He didn't have his movies. I don't think were as strong as like what they did with Dalton. I mean, with uh, Craig, um, I'll tell you uh, an anecdote is my book cliffhanger, which is about the movie serials with superheroes in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually uh, tracked down the father. Okay. The son of the first actor to play Batman was uh, the first oh. Batman um, in the 1943 serial was Lewis Wilson. Well, his son is Michael G. Wilson, who co-produces the Bond films. And I got an interview. Oh, wow. Wait, what? Like, yeah, two weeks <laughs> after um, after uh, No Time to Die came out, Michael was kind enough to give me, like, half an hour or oh, something. Oh, my God. And he was lovely and gregarious. That's amazing. <clears throat> great laugh. Um, but, yeah, his because his, his parents divorced and his mother remarried um, to Cubby Broccoli. Yeah. But yeah, no one had ever really asked him about his dad before, not in that sense. He's like, so I got an interview with like the co-producer of like one of my favorite film series ever. He's That's been he's been in the series since like I think the Dalton. Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, but he's been he was a like he did writing with like yeah. Richard Maybaum on some yeah, of that stuff. He, he as soon in. as as soon as uh, Saltzman was out with the mouth he, of the He's guy. phenomenal. Oh, and guys. and uh you know, <laughs> his sister is a great producer too. I mean, I think she's um, but uh, the thing they did with Bond that, that I don't think people realize is they very kind of slowly marched him towards progressiveness. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like an instant um, changeover. Where, oh, all yeah. of a sudden he's, you know, not a misogynist. Um, they really kind of, they, they walked him towards that by calling it out within um, the uh, golden eye. You know, there's a, a, right. a section where, you know, Q, I'm uh, not QM. M. M calls him a misogynist dinosaur. Dinosaur, yeah. And it was brilliant. Brilliant. Like, I (laughs) I wish more more, um, studios would look to the James Bond model rather than feel like they have to make it the MCU model. Um, I agree with uh, that completely. I think that would be a real interesting way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, Stick Alden Ehrenreich in a post Jedi. Yeah, we've talked about it. Solo. Yeah, if they need Genevieve O'Reilly. Yeah, Genevieve O'Reilly came in and Soka after. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's one thing, there's one line in The Force Awakens that I thought helped for me personally that uh, helped with um, The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And it's Princess Leia's line to Luke, or General Organa's line to, to uh, Han, is uh, Luke's a Jedi, you're his father. Yeah. And her saying, you're the one that you, 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 you're his dad, you should be able to be the one that turns him. Um, that's the case in the rise of Skywalker. Um, you know, they had to do some tap dancing to, to make that work because his character was dead at the time. Uh, uh, really liked that. That Mm -hmm. line really, really liked that because it's, it's kind of, you know, it kind of mirrors Luke's story and his Luke turning his father back to the side of good. Um, so that line for me, uh, And and it is a through line. I think like him, his his moment on the bridge with Han when he kills Han, I think that is is not 
faking it when he says, will you help me or anything like that? He is, he's obviously luring him in to kill him. But yeah, I think he is, he is, yeah, it's a, such a good performance. But he is, I think he is feeling that pull. He says it throughout the film. He's feeling oh, he, the pull to the light. But you know what they did though? And this is where Ryan Johnson is, I think, brilliant. Yeah. Is Ryan Johnson basically was like, guess what? We're going to go through all of the motions you're going to expect. Yeah. We're going to do a cover. Do of, the turn. Okay. Do you know the band James? Yeah. Sit down. Okay. They, they, from the 90s. Yeah. They, they, did a, they did a song called Laid. Um, this bed is on fire. Big hit for them. Well, uh, I had heard that. I hadn't get, haven't gotten to see him, but I had heard that. I think when I they have seen them at a show, festival. Yeah. I would fucking love to see him. Um, <laughs> they just like rushed through it first thing because they're like, okay, we did it. Get rid of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. felt like Brian Johnson kind of did that with Force, uh, with Last Jedi, where it's like, okay, these are all of the beats you expect from Empire Strikes Back. Hey, guess what? We're going to cover everything that you expect from Return of the Jedi. And then we're going to subvert it where it's like, oh shit, Kylo Ren, he's so far gone. Mm. He ain't going to turn. And, and so, you know, there's this great scene where Luke has his just like, he goes out like a boss, right? Oh, yeah. And Kylo's like, what, are you going to try and save me? And Luke's like, no. He's <laughs> just like, you're done. You know, and, and I, th- yeah. I think that there's there was a power narratively to that. Um, what I think was ultimately missing is um, everything was laid out in the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas-based... The brilliance of those movies is that we saw the hero's journey for Luke, for those of us who grew up with the classics. And then when they brought the prequel in, you realized all along it was Vader's hero's journey. Mm. Vader becomes a hero at the end, ultimately. Mm -hmm. But there was still a whole section called the apotheosis, where basically a hero goes into the underworld, gets the elixir, which they bring back to the real world, to kind of save the day. And I really felt like what was missing through seven through nine was Anakin's apotheosis. Mm-hmm. Right. And it wouldn't even have to be the central character, but there's something they really should have done with it and could have done with it. If they were really going to follow what Lucas had quite actually and literally laid out mm-hmm. with one through six. Um, because again, that's that's the reason the hero's journey is so prevalent is because it's it's a framework that works, right? Yeah, it, it when, has for all time. Yeah, for all time. And when you yeah. you decide to make these movies with absolutely no framework in place, except maybe the other movies, um, you know, I, I think it's it's really uh, a crime that Colin Trevorrow never got to make Duel of the Fates because it sounds like. You know, the last shot of Duel of the Fates would have been Leia restoring R2's memory with a disc. And so mm-hmm. she's redoing, you know, the fame. I get chills thinking about it because Carrie Fisher was my first crush, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I get chills thinking about it. Um, but there is, I, 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 yeah, I, I think I, there's, I, there's some interesting stuff in the, the Jewel of the Fates, but there's, I think there's, I mean, obviously it wasn't a finished shooting script ready to go or anything. But he, it Hux but, lost the Star War. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, the stuff with Hux in it, I think is excellent. I think it's really interesting. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Hux and, Hux and Finn really shine in that version of mm. what that could have been. Um, you know, yeah. my, my kid calls the Star Wars figure, the Star Wars. That's his blanket term for all the character. Yes. It's like, it's the Star Wars. I'm going to play with the Star Wars. Great. 
that's yeah, i mean great. that's that's what you want like i i love that it's i think it's guy. combining everything together you don't need to worry about oh this person never interacted with that person they never they weren't in the same films together that's 30 years later who cares that's right. toys play yeah, with it like, all, tell all, your own tell your own stories like they're, they're yeah. all mixed up and, and he also does transformers star wars crossovers awesome. i used to do gi joe and um star wars like stuff when i was a kid because i had a that's bunch of gi cool. joes and a bunch of star wars figures dude i'm a big gi joe fan i um i did yeah, a, i think i put quick kick ended up in my snow speeder <laughs> Uh, no, I did the uh, the book on Larry Hama uh, conversations for oh. University of Mississippi, and nice. um, no, I, I think GI Joe is the best ongoing comic book series of the 1980s. Um, I, I really do because it combines satire with social relevancy, mm. the Vietnam War. Um, it See, that's, that's the culture. thing with GI Joe over here. Like we, I I was too young for the comics um, to have read them at the time, yeah. and we never got the cartoon over here that I'm aware of. Oh, if we did again yeah. before my time, so. Yes. For me, I only was ever making up my own stories with those figures because they were just wow. cool toys. So did you I was... have Action Force? Uh, yeah, and Action Man was like the, Man. The, the big like 12-inch. Yeah. Yeah. We was, tried I to make Action Man a thing over here once. Yeah. Briefly. But then, yeah, I know yeah. Action Force Probably was in that, like, that, the, um, the British yeah, G.I. Joe stuff. but Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, maybe, but I was always that weird kid who was playing with other toys. Than yeah, and you were born in 88, like, so you might 87, have. yeah. Yeah, eighty-seven. Yes, you might have yeah. missed the boat. Maybe. Um, yeah. I I had an older brother and sister who are like seven and nine years older than me, so all of my stuff is from their generation, which is I think why Ralph and I always seem to connect on pop culture stuff more than people me yeah. and my own age. No, I get it. Me, like, what are you talking about? What are you referencing? And I'm like, nah, it's before your time, <laughs> and I'm so, a month so younger than the my my kids' school. Um, you know, I'll pick them up and hang out on the playground with them after. And like all of the moms, because the dads don't hang out. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm like the sole dad on the playground, but all the moms are like 10 years younger than me. Yeah. And they're just very lovely, kind. They're very suburban and they're just, and I'll make these like movie references pop that they don't get. And mm-hmm. there's this, this one <laughs> other parent there, uh, Kristen, who I just, what I love about her is like, she's like, just looks at me like, like you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? So like, <laughs> no, bullshit. that's yeah. most conversations that I have with like Joe Public or like random strangers or friends of friends. They're just like, I don't know what you're saying, but you're saying it with passion. So good for you. Yeah, man. I, yeah. I mean, really, it's it's all good. But yeah. um, but yeah. So so what do you what do you uh, when episode seven wrapped when the end credits went on? Where did you guys think it was going to go from there? Ooh. I don't know. I can't remember. Well, the thing I remember talking to my wife about it and being like, oh, clearly he's Kylo Ren's got to become good. Like it felt like we all kind of knew where the story was going. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't. I think with episode seven, I I felt very much like that was a really cool. And I I got the sort of the it's a reimagining remake sort of vibe from it. But um i i enjoyed the ride and i enjoyed the new version of it so much that i wasn't really worried about where it was gonna go i remember Mm -hmm. coming out of the last jedi and having so many thoughts and feelings and not sure how i felt about it at the time and i i asked my now ex-wife to drive because i was like i need to just sit with this for a minute and like think um and so i i just sort of sat there and i 
I was I was writing a daily blog at the time, and I I got home and I just spewed all my thoughts out, mm. and it ended up being like what I the way I thought it was going to go. And in doing that, I I discovered that I really loved it, and then I saw it again yeah. like two days later, and I I really loved it. Yeah. Um, whereas coming out of the Force Awakens, I think I just enjoyed the, right, like I enjoyed the. No, I didn't think about it too much. I think I just enjoyed it for what it was, what it was presenting. Yeah. It was popcorn. It was just... And at the time, at the time, seeing a Star Wars on a big screen well, was more of the experience of it than yeah. what the movie was. That's it. Um, like, so, I mean, Christopher, you, you were saying about your experience of it and how it was sort of bittersweet in a way. And, uh, uh, you know who I of- saw it? Yeah, I saw it with... Um... Will, who was, I used to be an elementary art teacher. Okay. And Will was the, around 2000. And Will was like my little Padawan, right? Amazing. He was in third grade. He was super goofy kid, loved Transformers, loved G.I. Joe. Um, and I, I just, I, I loved being his his mentor. Um, I, I left uh, the job for, I had a principal who was just like, Okay, I'll put it this way. It's a G.I. Joe reference. I was doing some G.I. Joe things with Devil's Due, uh, the comic book. Yeah, you know, wow. There's a name from the past. I was doing like a website. It was a mock news website called Lens. And it was like Scoop, you know, who's the battle photographer is his site. And I modeled Cobra Commander after my principal because he was this narcissistic piece of shit um i mean he was but he was actually like he had a list like he was cobra commander um but anyways uh will actually went with me and now will's like twice my size he's just a big (laughs) big dude you know um so it made it he really kind of saved the experience yeah that's nice um but i'll say i saw I was kind of like you i was like okay i mean i understand why they wanted to get back to the classics Mm. Um, because of how right. people were about the, you know, um, it's the the, the it's first safe. line. The yeah, the this will begin yeah. to make things right. And I was like, at the yeah. time, I was like, oh wow, that's that's pointed. Um, yeah, but and now it, I'm just like, I don't know how I feel about that line now. You know what? They didn't they didn't try and make things original. They had amazing mm. redesigns of the stormtroopers. I love the redesigns. Yeah, I like them. I, all the designs. I think yeah, uh, but, really but we needed yeah. more of like Kylo Ren stopping a laser bolt midair, you know. Yeah. Um, because mm. the minute like that opening scene is great mm. because it's it's very much like, oh shit. Yeah. It's been it's like he's possibly stronger. It's leveled up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I I, I got to tell you, episode eight, I took my partner, cat. Uh, and uh, Grayson was at a babysitter's, and I took a few of my students. Um, and I, I gotta say, man, like, I thought the lightsaber fight in episode seven was solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but episode eight, it also gutted me. And it, you were, so the whole point of like an action, a fight scene is that it, it's, there, there has to be some sort of like, uh, it's, it's a resolution to some conflict or a reflection yeah. of a conflict. And um, that's why you don't want to have too many lightsaber battles because they seem less big when you mm-hmm. do have them. But mm-hmm. episode eight, like, I was just like, wow. Uh, you know, I was invested in, in seeing how the battles would go, but they showed that all bets were off early on yeah. in the movie. 
when Poe goes in like the cavalry and fucks everything over, that's telling you, okay, shit's real. Um, so you don't know what's going to happen to Luke, what's going to happen to Leia, what's going to happen to almost any of them. Um, and, and so the stakes are believable and they're real. Um, so that, that's why I think as much as people want to bitch about Canto Blight, which I, I thought Canto Blight was, uh, I understand why they did Canto Blight. I liked it enough, but it was basically like, Hey, guess what? The same things we did you know, our plan to infiltrate the Star Destroyer and do whatever, like, it's it's not going to work. Mm. Those things don't work anymore. We have to think of something new. And in a way, yeah. if you look at it as, like, commentary on Star Wars, it's kind of cutting when Episode Nine rehashes a lot of the same shit. But the battles in Episode Nine. I was not invested because it's like choreography. It's like it's the same okay. reason that I don't love um, Duel of the Fates fight scene as much oh, as yeah. some of the others because it feels too much just like a choreographed dance as opposed to yeah. a fight with emotional weight. Um, well, yeah, but but everyone, it's and it's funny because I watch like as we get older and as we get more learned, <laughs> I guess. Mm we can watch things that we've grown up with in different ways, mm. but also seeing the films on the big screen makes an enormous difference. Yeah, um, right. Oh yeah. Especially, it was... Yeah. Um, but, but I'll tell you episode six, mm-hmm. that movie is a masterpiece in editing mm-hmm. and that final act between, and it's uneven in places, I think, but the final act, the editing between, You've got the Death Star, you've got the Emperor's Throne Room, you have Endor. And it's the reason the unevenness works, because the scenes on Endor kind of give you a little breathing. And then it's intense when they're, you know, when Londo and the Falcon. Wedge Wedge is doing his thing. They all hit their their low points at the same time. Um, Lucas does that in episode one as well. That act, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But seeing movies in the theater... uh, what I love about it, as opposed to the TV shows, I remember every single viewing of Star Wars um, across the board. Uh, my sister posted this earlier before we get started. Let me just say that I love this movie so much. Seeing it in the theater with my entire family is a great memory for me. Like, I remember where I stood in line for every single time I saw episode one, two, how, three. How long did you wait for episode one? We decided that we were going to wait 12 hours. Yeah, I did eight hours before we got in, but yeah. Maybe yeah, yeah. yeah, we were at, we went we're at the Chinese we were at, yeah we're at the Chinese theater. Um, oh, uh, and so they had they had really one yeah yeah so they had one line and we had to show this was before the internet like really yeah. had like online ticket sales a week before the tickets went on sale for episode one. Me and my friends drove from Orange County to Hollywood went to the Chinese theater. We each picked up 10 tickets because that was the maximum. We ended up getting something like 30 tickets because there's three of us. Yeah. And then I had to hold on to those tickets like next to my night on my nightstand next to my bed uh, because if anything happened to these paper tickets, you might I wasn't going to get to see Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so it was one of those things where it's like, okay, we figured out who's getting the 30 tickets. And then we're like, we're going to show up. It was like a 10 p.m. showing because it was a Friday. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm getting there by 10 a.m. 
And it was one line for the entire day. And as showings went in, the the one line started filtering out the people that are going into wow. the theater and yeah, it just got closer and closer and closer wow. until for our showing, we were the first in line. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's one of those things. Like I remember, uh, I remember seeing force awakens at a theater, um, across the way with my family, uh, wasn't assigned seats. Um, but then by the time the last Jedi came out, assigned seats were there. And so oh, it's yeah. like, that's what I love about going to see star Wars movies. Um, even if, uh, the, um, the rise of Skywalker isn't for everybody. I'm sure sitting down in that theater and, and I, I kind of wish that Disney, since they now Fox would put the Fox logo back in front of all the, all yeah. the sequel movies. Nice. Um, but sitting yeah. there and getting that sort of fanfare, that 20th century Fox fanfare, and then the silence, it's yeah, the anticipation. Uh, they, brought, they brought it back for star Wars. The fanfare had been gone. Yeah, and when Lucas put it on, they because he the fanfare was part of his memories growing up as a yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it, it's yeah, it's one of those things um, where every single viewing in the theater, it's still special, even though we're getting you know uh, the next TV show is just around the corner. Um, nothing beats sitting in the theater no. and uh, and seeing I, Star I, Wars. I, I I still remember it vividly like all of all of my viewings as well it's the same thing um my my episode one viewing was it was that catharsis of i'd I'd already seen a pirate copy of it because it came out later here but i'd been anticipating it so much Mm -hmm. uh that was it it it, seeing the special editions with my dad and then like anticipating it all so much with my dad him dying a couple of months before it came out and everything like that was that was such a no it's it's similar to what you were saying about episode seven it's like it's it 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 hit in a different way for that reason Mm -hmm. and i was 12 years old and it was amazing i loved that movie yeah um went through all of that and then for me, I I never stopped reading the books or playing the co- uh, reading comics mm-hmm. or playing the games or anything like that. I was always, always, always still so into Star Wars, but I'd dropped off of the Clone Wars at some point, uh, and so I I'd, I'd I'd pick it up and I'd watch like three or four episodes and then I'd drop off again. Um, yeah. But in 2012, when the sale happened, and I I remember I was walking to work from where I'd parked my car. And I was on slashfilm.com and I was just reading all of the news as I was walking, like nearly getting hit by cars because I just couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was reading. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I, at that point, like subconsciously, my mind was like, oh, we're, we're hundred percent back in now. Like, and we like, cause it's, yeah. it's all that build up. And then we had that three years of anticipation. And so I, I, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was in the bag for it before it even came out. So I don't think yeah. that they could have done much with this film to have made me not like it that first time round. Um, yeah, well, I, well yeah, you, you hit on the so experience, in. right? I think, you know, yeah. Uh, do you guys? Uh, I use, I miss midnight showings. Yeah, I do. Because I, 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 yeah, I, I feel like I, I do, can't. Yeah, I, I, I do. I could. I could still do it, um, but just I physically, the last couple of times that I did it, yeah. I was like, and I work nights. I work until 4.30 in the morning every wow. night. So I'm used to being up at that sort of time. Yeah. But I'm just like, I sit down, I get comfy, and I'm just like, 
I just want to go to sleep now. Like, yeah, I've, I've been in the, like movie theaters that I've really enjoyed the film. Yeah, I just want to. I've fallen asleep in the middle uh, of films that I've uh, really loved. I'll tell you my last midnight showing because they stopped doing them a while okay. ago. My yeah. last one was Green Lantern, and we saw it <laughs> in Wall Street. There's a at least a it's short Wall Street, and <laughs> at least it's, it's the short. only time I was like. What the fuck did I stay up this late for? Yeah. It, I, have, dude, I, I have so much Green Lantern stuff. I mean, look, well, Kyle, I Kyle's just there behind you. I have. Yeah, my, my quarter scale Kyle Rayner statue. Yeah, I saw your Kyle. Uh, I knew Marty Nodell pretty well, uh, who created wow. Green Lantern. And, uh, God, he's hilarious. But, but yeah, um, I, I just loved being, because the thing is, there were, there was a period. There was a period where, like, uh, Star Wars wasn't fashionable, right? And oh, like, yeah. a, a lot of what made Star Wars cool, I credit to um, Kevin Smith, really, with with his films and, and dropping. He's the first person to like drop Star Wars references in, it, in, in stuff. like '93 when no one was yeah. doing it, especially like yeah, yeah. And uh, so it, it's kind of like the ability to be in a packed theater with people who loved the same thing you do that much yeah. was. And I remember watching episode three, uh, the Regal put like uh, a commercial for Axe body spray up before them. And it was like, ah, <laughs> you know, we had to sit through previews and we we're all suffering together. Um, but there was something really magic about that, which is part yeah. of why I love, uh, I teach at VCU, uh, Virginia Commonwealth University in the communication arts department. And our students are going to be concept designers, video game designers, comic book artists, and being able to sit in a, a, a space and watch it projected with them. Um, you know, I took my son when we watched Return of the Jedi. I ran it by my class. I'm like, hey, guys, my kid's five. He loves Star Wars. I would love to take, bring him, you know, to see it. And they're, they're really cool about it. And um but I'll tell you, my was that my back dad, in April the the fortieth anniversary screenings just gone. What was that? Was that back in April, like during the fortieth anniversary? No, screenings? no, this was in okay. my um, one of my Star Wars classes. Oh, it okay, was in Star Wars Effect, and we mm. watched. Uh, and I have like the original versions on DVD, yeah, not yeah, the special editions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm. But uh, my dad, who I lost him um, about ten years ago, twelve years ago, I, I lost track. Um, you know, I remember sitting right next to him in the theater, in the state theater in Farmville, Virginia, wow. my hometown, watching Return of the Jedi. And I remember when the Star Wars logo came up, I was so excited. I went, Star Wars! <laughs> That's that fixed. You know, so it, it is a generational thing. And it's very important to be able to, to watch it with family. Um, I just, I worry about it not being special enough. And, yeah. you know, because again, like, we had three movies and that was done. Yep. And then it's like, Oh wait, we're going to have three more. It's something that, that we talk it. about a lot is, is that yep. absence is what made it. And it still yep. makes it because it's still special to us that it's, there's new star Wars. Like we, we've had probably longer, well, definitely had longer stretches of time now where there has been star Wars than there hasn't. But that yep. absence was so strong for for me it was only really like 10 12 years but it was those 10 12 formative years yeah. at the beginning that there wasn't yeah. any so i was the weird kid playing with toys that no one else yeah. played with i was 
watching yeah. these films that no one else my age gave a shit about. And hey, hey, so I, it's it's people so... to talk about nineteen forties comic books with. That's that, all. I mean, I'm that's it. Like, it's the same thing. Like it's yeah. yeah it's and that's why it'll always still have such resonance. I, and I will be able to critique things, but I don't think I'll ever be able to like flat out. I mean, I say this now. I'm sure that there will be times when I just flat out dislike a bit of Star Wars, but like. It's all I can still find the good in all of it. Like it's still there. It's always there. <laughs> I know there's yeah, good I, in you. No, that's it. Like there's, it's, it's, yeah, exactly that. It's I wanted. I, I just wanted in the theater though. I I feel like I'm ready for I that. Miss it. It's I been miss it. it's been a while. You um, know why not? I I'm, I I'm, you said something about resonance. I think is such a great word, and I think knowing that we have very little Star Wars to enjoy makes it feel more important when we yeah. go to see it. Yeah. Um, and when you, I, I don't really think that Star Wars should be as heavily on TV. I, I honestly would rather see them just do, uh, make these, um, you know, make movies. I just make movies, years. you know, man. I, I, they, yeah, always- I'm, I'm fine with the series every now and then. I think it's great. I like the yeah. expansion of it. Um, as someone who's been reading books and comics, it's it for me. It feels like just another expansion of that. Um. But yeah, I'm, I I mean, Iger said a lot of dodgy things recently regarding like the strikes and everything like that, and I don't agree with most of the things that he said in that regard. But when they brought him back in, like he he full on said like, no, there's too much of the the, the shows. Like there's too much of a push for content on Disney Plus, and so yeah. we're gonna yeah. pull it back. We're gonna pull it back to a point where it's like it's gonna be good. And well, I think also they're realizing that was um, that was the thing that JPEG pushed for was just quali- uh, quantity over quality. Like you usually uh, wanted more, more, more. Yeah. Well, also, you know, we're at an interesting point right now. We're streaming. I think streaming came in and studios saw it as a way to be profitable because the Netflix model works. So why can't this work for us? Mm. Um, but the it didn't offset the the budgets that they were no. creating for all of this this new material. Um, But then I think the pandemic really forced the studio's hand um, or collective hand, you know, Mm. Um, but it's still like now they're trying to backpedal and they're trying to raise the rates. They're trying to crack down on password sharing there. I feel like they have to limit the amount, but it's still like when you look at shows and Marvel, I think is very guilty of this. I think Star Wars as well. Why do you have to have six episodes? What if, what if you could tell your story in three or four? Yeah. What if you gave showrunners permission to do that and yeah. just say you tell the story as long as it, you need to? Maybe, or, maybe or longer. Like, it, it's like, do you look at something like Andor where it's twelve and it, it had that room to breathe? Um, and but it was it, also it was also three episode chunks. Though. It was yeah. That that's a very good point. They were very clear sort of splits. But yeah. Andor was, I, they were so smart to release all of those episodes at once for the first, you the know, first three, the first, like, the first three. block. The first yeah. three, because yeah. I remember I watched the first one and I was just like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> like it, it didn't end on the types of beats you would, you know, think of, you know, it's like ends up shot on him at a fire, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, but like, I kind of got it. Like it was a slow boil, but there was still... You know, I, I feel like the first four episodes of Ahsoka really could have easily been one or two and gotten the same point yeah. across. Um, because I feel like when Filoni does a slow boil, it's like, hey, let's just make it more longer and boring. 
Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it really contributes as much as it could, not in the way that um, the showrunners and, and directors of Andor can pull off, but it's, it's still like, why not just do TV movies, you know, do like a three hour mm. movie, do, you know, you can make it feel bigger. Um, and if you have the story that requires four to six episodes, then for God's sake, that's great. But we not... use it a lot because they've got the yeah. they've got so much to to reference. But look at something like Werewolf by Night. Like it was it was an hour long, wasn't it? Ralph, you'll know. Um, I love it's, you know it's it's it was what forty five to an hour long, and it told the story that it was going to tell. It was in, it was out. Uh, I'm in yeah, it, I, sort of. Yeah, Ralph, Ralph, <laughs> Ralph is uh, an Easter egg in it, and it's like, oh, you are. Yeah. What? Who, who are you? What? What's your Easter? Uh, I. Uh, my name is in a headstone. In the That's crypt. great. How how did you yeah. pull that? Who do you have to kill? Uh, uh, nobody. I, I'm friends with Just Michael. Beat be <laughs> so. a fireball island every now and then. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. Uh, Kirk Thatcher who played like the Scottish Highlander monster uh -huh. hunter. I met him through GalaxyCon, and he's brilliant. If you ever get the chance to meet him, um, yeah. I I love yeah. Werewolf by Night. I'm actually sitting in. Um, did you see the colorized version? Not yet. I need to watch okay. it. Um, I'm so, actually... so know what's interesting about the colorized version? So they shot it in color. Yeah. Digitally. They shot it digitally in color. Um, and then once they decided to go black and white, they took the black and white version and Michael struck a 35 millimeter print of the black and white. Wow. So when they went to do the color version, which they had planned on doing before the last, the last version was released, the black and white was released. Um, yeah. They just colorized the black and white version instead of doing Using the stuff they shot. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, I want yeah. you to do me a favor and, and seriously okay. pass this on to Michael. Um, okay. I'm actually, I'm a big fan of Gray Morrow's work. Um, he created, uh, co-created Man-Thing. I have a Man-Thing model kit right up here. But I'm actually sitting in Gray's chair. This This was his desk chair. Um, I, I So I did an article on Gray after he died. 20 something years ago and I got to become really good friends with his wife um, uh, Poco and uh, Poco is like an aunt to me she's very dear um, I'd inherited his drawing table as well which is now in the hands of my friend uh, Jean um, I have like an original of Gray as I have a couple pages um, but Poco does not have streaming and I got teary eyed with how perfect man thing was gray mm. gray is an artist artist he is someone who i don't feel has ever gotten enough credit for mm. being like a master if he had i think it'd be broken into comics five years earlier he would probably be regarded a legend because he he really would have been you know uh like he was up there with al williamson and the easy crowd um but i sent her uh i took like some crappy video with my phone um and sent her like a little bit of the man thing and she just like it it made her year in That's all amazing. seriousness so please pass that on to him because it oh. and i want to see a fucking man thing show <laughs> i i love i i just i i was so blown away with how great that was but it, it was really this great we got in we told our story and we got out yeah and yeah. it left yeah. you wanting more which i think is uh, it's kind of like a house guest who who doesn't stay too long, mm, mm. you know. And I it's feel a like really a good of, one shot. It's, yeah, it's exactly. It's but I feel like a lot of the the streaming shows it gets to the point where it's like, 
But we've been saying it for a while. Like, why isn't Lucasfilm doing this? Why aren't they putting out these like hour long specials where it's just like one story? It doesn't have to do with any of the other stuff that you have to do. Marvel for me feels like homework. I'm not watching Loki and I'm sure that's going to bite me in the ass down the road. But the thing is, it's like I, you watch werewolf by night. You don't have to know anything. None of There's it. no homework involved. Well, it matters, but it and matters with, because it's a good story. It's fun. It's with really Ahsoka, there's so much homework with Ahsoka that you have to do. Well, um, that's what I liked about Andor. Uh, yeah. uh, like, I, it doesn't need to be. You don't have to know everything. And I just want like these hour long. I just want hour long specials. But maybe you know once what? every Christmas or this, once this every is- May twenty fifth. Like, yeah, but this is the thing, and I, I think you you kind of nailed it. Is, um, you know, I had, I had this conversation last night with a couple of my students after class. In the '90s, us comic book readers were getting worried about things not being accessible, um, and the movies have fallen into the exact same trap. But it ultimately comes down to how well you handle backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, episode four, like the classic trilogy was a masterclass in backstory. You got everything you needed to know for where the characters are now. You got enough of a sense of Darth Vader's struggle as Anakin so that you could understand who Darth Vader was. You get a deeper appreciation the more backstory gets provided over time. Um, But they're doing these very... And I think what hurts Marvel is, and even Star Wars to a point, is they're focusing too much on secondary characters. Um, and the secondary characters just aren't, with the exception of like the Mandalorian with Grogu, they're just not, I don't feel like they're compelling enough. They're not I fleshed also, out enough. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think that, that Ahsoka needed a better handling of backstory. Um, I enjoyed it, you know, after episode four, <laughs> it was over with. And, you know, Ray Stevenson was amazing as a... Yeah. Uh, a conflicted yeah. Sith Jedi type, um, and and you know Sith Goth girl Jedi Padawan is you know she has a place in my heart at all times, um, but you know it, it's still it just gets convoluted, and when mm-hmm. it gets convoluted, it it's preaching to the choir, and you're not getting new people in, and mm-hmm. I feel like what's going to have to happen at some point. I know with the MCU they're going to have to hit the reset button somehow. It's yeah. they're going to have to reboot it. Yeah, I feel I like, yeah they're going to have to build to it. Um, we'll see where they go. Uh, we'll see yeah, I mean, go. people They've are got loads of... Them. With something like that, with with a universe like that, you've got the options to do that, I feel like. It's it's yeah. easier to do. Um, I don't want that for Star Wars, though. I, like, I would rather it... Character. I'd rather it get to a, a messy, messy place and then they just tell other stories. Like yeah. messy plays with the characters that we've seen already, and then just go ignore them anymore, like or kill them, and then carry on with someone else. Uh, yeah, as much as I love Ray, I'm not interested in the next Ray movie. I, I don't think Ray's enough of a character. That's the problem, and I don't think any of them were developed strongly enough um, because all of a sudden, like Poe Dameron's Han Solo in Episode Nine. You know yeah. who is he really? Um, you know it, it's because they were only I think thinking about types. Um, I think that Finn was the biggest lost opportunity because he is the character who had the most to struggle with clearly. Especially after watching it this time around. Yeah. For me, 
he had the, yeah. the, the through line of that movie is is him yeah 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 and, and they they dropped the ball on him big time and john boyega deserved so much better you know i i just yeah. i you know because he'll he he doesn't really seem to have too many great things to say about being in those movies and i don't blame him no. you know no. um but but yeah it's it's kind of like when you think about types okay we're gonna have well, we're going to have kind of a Luke type, but it's going to be a girl, you know, and it's going to be Ray, and she has a backstory, and she's kind of mysterious, but we don't really know what the backstory is, so there's no way we can plant seeds or convey her character strongly enough in that, which is why, again, I thought episode eight was great, because it's like, hey, guess what? You're nothing, yeah. and yeah. that became Ray having to rise above being told that she's not special. Um, in, in this kind of very emotionally abusive relationship with Kylo Ren, which again, there's good stuff in there, but I feel like all of the really strong character stuff came from episode eight. And, was and that's one of the things, later. that's one of the things that kind of bugs me about Star Wars. And I bring this up a lot during the shows is, you know, the, the character cameo of the week, it, you know, you have this galaxy that's like endless and, uh, people are running into each other all the time. Everybody is somebody's, you know, cousin. Everybody is somebody's, you know, best friend. Yeah. And it's like, no, no. I think that's why it was so great with Ray Stevenson's character not being that. Like, he was a Jedi who'd been around during the Clone Wars, but he doesn't doesn't need to be someone that Ahsoka knew or anything like that. He's just, he was... He's not yeah. Dooku's brother. Yeah. Or anything yes, like well, it, I'm sorry you feel that way, Ralph, because I, I was uh, going to choose this moment to say that James and I are long-lost siblings, but <laughs> yeah, ruined the moment. Thanks a lot, man. It's these. It's these, it makes everything so yeah. small. It like makes yeah. the galaxy so small. Let's let's just yeah. let's expand it. Let's get into stuff that yeah. There, there let's was get great, some werewolf by nights in there. Yeah. Well, there there's a great thing. Uh, Alex Ross years ago, um, I was interviewing him for Graphic NYC, and we got to talking about Spider Man too, um, which he hates. And the thing with Alex, if you ever meet him, is Alex. Um, Alex is very emphatic about whether he likes something or not. Like, that's just who he is. And it, it, yeah. he's such a delight. I, I just love the guy. Um, but he, I love Spider-Man too. He hated it. Uh, but one of the things that he kind of brought up, um, which I, I do agree with. That's the one with his artwork in it, right? Yeah. Um, okay. it, it, it's, he was just kind of like, why can't bad guys just be some asshole who shows up? <laughs> you right. know, and he, he's absolutely right. Like that's you yeah. know, we just watched. That's what Darth Dark. Vader was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We watched. Uh, we watched um, the Dark Knight in my Batman class, and uh, you know, Joker's great because he's an asshole who just shows up. Yeah. That's it. You don't need to see his origin. You don't. You he's, know, but he's there's chaos this, incarnate. This... Like, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of what little... I like about the James Bond movies. Yeah. Yeah, and when they start, a lot you know, of tormented but, but, souls. But but I think what hurt um, Spectre, I, I don't like Spectre at all. No. Um, and a lot of it is that they had to force Blofeld into being someone who had this personal connection to James Bond. I I I have a headcanon on that. Um, I feel that it's been established that Blofeld and Diamonds Are Forever uh, can alter his face and alter other people's face. Mm -hmm. uh, Gustav Graves was able to, in Die Another Day, uh, alter his DNA to change his race and make him a completely different yep. person. I feel like in this world of 007 that Franz Oberhauser 
the man that grew up as essentially a, a stepbrother with with James Bond um, was not Blofeld. Blofeld was a man who altered his DNA and face to look like James Bond's Ooh. stepbrother, so just to get in his head more. That's the, that's like the the so, Batman. <laughs> That's I great. guess you know what I think. So, my but, favorite, but I, like, that's me because I don't like that either. But I'm like, yeah. hey, listen, it's established in this world that people yeah. can do crazy stuff there, with their there's, bodies. There's a funny thing I was saying with, with Michael because I, I did I did ask him a little James Bond because um, I I got his ear for you know. I mean, you're talking to Michael Wilson, yeah, yeah, I and mean, I was just like, um, I had just seen um, uh, No Time to Die. Uh, which I which actually is, really loved. Really I love that movie. I, I thought, thought it was that, good. And I love how it ended. Um, and I was just kind of, you know, spoilers for this, so mute this, if, you know. But, um, and I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm just really curious where you guys are going to go. I mean, is he, are you going to recast it? Or are you going to just start over again with the younger actor? Because it has a very definite end. I and, mean, James Bond dies in it. We'll just tell people yeah, James Bond yeah, James dies at the end of time today. And then Michael was just going to laugh. He's like, <laughs> that's a great question. He's like, I don't know the answer yet. <laughs> you know? right. That's great. Um, and, and, and he but was but very... it's, the perfect, it's the perfect place to just go back to basics and just do one and done movies. The continuity doesn't matter. You can have an actor play an ally in one movie and then two movies later he's a bad guy like like, that's happened a bunch my favorite is um he's not my favorite bond but my favorite movie is on her majesty's secret service he's my second favorite bond and that's my favorite james bond movie yeah Yeah. good man and and um telly savalas is i think my favorite blofeld because he's a blofeld who kicks ass like he's dangerous you look at his blofeld and it's like Oh shit's gonna get real. Um, right. You look at the other guys. Yeah, he's kind of pasty. He's kind of you know, yeah, yeah, you know, he's not gonna last in a fight. But Savalas was so dangerous, and that was such a delightful, um, delightful movie. It, it was it has the best music, best cinematography, best Bond girl Diana Rigg. Um, you know, it, it's just such a such a great and people shit on it because it's George Lazenby. It was okay as Bond. I mean, it wasn't awful. He remind he his his portrayal fun. of Bond reminded me more of the books than Connery did. Yeah, yeah. I, well, you, you know who I know is uh, Gerard Christopher. Do you know Do you know the Superboy TV show from the early nineties? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I haven't, I... they're really great. Like the last two seasons are phenomenal. Like surprisingly good. Uh, you know, production's a little hinky. It was a, a low butt. For those of you who don't know, it was a syndicated show. And um, uh, it had a, a low budget, but it was early, like, digital and, and video editing and effects. But um, Lazenby played jor in an episode. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, Jerry, uh, Gerard, uh, was, was telling me um, that, like, he's like, he was just great on set. Like, he was so much fun. He was funny. He yeah. was charming. He was fun. Everything you kind of want to believe that George Lazenby was in real life. Um, yeah. He used yeah. to live not too far from where I am in Southampton. He lived like at the bottom of the M3, which is like just as you're heading out of town. He, yeah, he had a big house there. I would love to meet him. Um, I don't I mean, think he's there anymore. <laughs> yeah, Gerard had said good things about him, but and Gerard's really cool too. He's again, it's like two hours mm. for me, so it's mm. 
um, I'm hoping to see mm -hmm. him again soon. But. Stevie mentioned that I said that Dalton was my second favorite, not Lazenby. And I, I just want to say it's fluctuates. It's a constant, <laughs> it's a constant flux. It's um, a constant flux. Now, now, if you guys ever have like more than one kid, then you might be in trouble. Okay. <laughs> my my, my uh, dad once was, I, I come from one of four and my dad was like, I love you so much, Sean. And I'm like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> mean. Dad! He's like, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, we... we talked about we talked about um getting in and getting out and and not overstaying our welcome and i think oh, you guys we've, <laughs> we've got an hour and 40 minutes it's, here um it's a long one it's a long one but i've really enjoyed this conversation it's been really Same interesting here, like, we've Thank talked you. about everything yeah. like not not just the force awakens yeah um i go off topic I should that's I've, no it's good it's made for a really interesting conversation so thank you for joining us christopher um, i mean you i mean anyone who's gonna bring up james bond green lantern <laughs> yeah like you're like, you're yeah. right in ralph's wheelhouse well Dude, i'm doing my dissertation on superman right now so yeah like yeah i i'm happy to talk about that stuff anytime <laughs> Don't don't say that. Ralph's going to have you back on one of his Patreon shows, yeah, like well, in a week's a, time. Uh, yeah, there's a friend of mine, um, Brian O'Halloran. From uh, he was Dante in Clerks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when he learned I was a professor, he's of this stuff. He's like, man, that's a racket. Have they figured it out? Yeah, I'm like, no. There's <laughs> benefits. Like, yeah, it's it's a pretty good racket to be part of. Um, I do want to share one thing with you guys before you go. Cool. Have my Yoda hand puppet. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! <laughs> Looks better than the episode one puppet. It does look better than the episode oh, one puppet. Oh, and yes, <laughs> yes, she, she looked. Oh. Like this, oh, this is she here, bitch. <laughs> that hairline is amazing. But also, like you've you've got the motion of his head right. Like that's amazing. Oh, I'm also a client. Yes, yes. Also, client I am. What do you think of the puppet in The Last Jedi? Oh, it seemed a little squishy. <laughs> oh my oh, god. On puppet. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I love it. It was the original molds that they worked yeah. off of. And I got to tell you man, that that got me into the feels and I love yeah. the concept of Yoda coming back with the express intent of fucking with Luke. That's it. <laughs> right. It's fucking peak, with Luke. Peak. Uh, but Yoda, where he's just a little troll, but like not in that way. Oh, I love Yoda so much. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, that, that nails me still. And episode eight is the only one of those sequels that I think is, is really worth studying, in, in all honesty, because yeah. he. The, the, just the line of we, we are what they grow beyond is such a great line, and it's yeah. so usable i mean for you as a teacher and as a father like it must be just something that sits with you yeah yeah it, it does but also it's it's like that's the first one okay i feel like episode nine is very much and even episode seven it's like this very orchestrated planned oh this is the moment where we're gonna get your emotions yeah but episode eight because you don't see it feels more sincere Ryan Shantz mm. is apparently an enormous Star Wars fan. Oh, yeah. Damn. I love that movie in a lot of ways. I mean, there's stuff about it where it maybe went a little more science fiction than space fantasy that I felt was a disconnect. But by and large, at its core, he had something to say with it, which <laughs> yeah. you can't say with much other Star Wars media today. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I just... Uh, I. 
it's kind of like when I saw Avengers Endgame, there was a 13-year-old girl sitting next to me, and I, I it, you could see kind of like, you know when they're going to kill characters, and it's like, this is the emotional moment, because it's just telegraphed, yeah. and she was doing the whole, like, when they killed Loki, she was like, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. you know Loki yeah. just even noticed her being, like, upset over it. And I felt like that's how it kind of seven and nine, especially nine made me feel. But eight, I mean, no, I cried my eyes out through that movie. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about it somewhat in two weeks. We're going to be covering uh, the director and the Jedi, which I think I'm more interested in watching that now than ever. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't watched it since the first time that like it came out on digital and stuff. That was when I watched it. Oh, is that is that I I, was that an extra on the DVD or on the DVD and the digital release? It's on Disney Plus. It might be on Disney Plus. But uh, yeah, it's it's the making of it's the making of of the Last Jedi, and it's all about sort of Ryan Johnson and him. Like the main crux of it is him trying to convince Mark wow. Hamill, like, "Hey, this is the way to go." <laughs> wow. It's it's a great it's it's really good, um, and it'll get us some Last Jedi talk without having to. That's great. To yeah, I'll have pull to watch the trigger that, on our Last Jedi time. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us. Do yeah, you have any thank plugs? You so much. ChristopherIrving.com. Uh, yeah, ChristopherIrving.com. Um, Snap City Swag is my. Instagram for my projects. Um, it's been pretty quiet for a while, but cause I've just been busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I also do, uh, pulp novels and trading cards for a toy line called Eagle force, which mm-hmm. is like GI Joe. Um, you know, uh, so snap city swag on Instagram is the best way. I'm no longer on Twitter because Twitter's evil. Um, yeah. I'm You're on Blue, Blue Sky. Sky. Yeah, hey, that's, how we, that's how we found each other. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I'm on Blue Sky, um, the Star Wars store at Regency Square Mall um, in Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> totally if I'm out there, I'm going to I'm going to go. I, I'm trying to tell everyone because uh, it, its business has been a little slow. I think it's because of the mall itself. Uh, it's kind of a dead mall. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I'm doing my dissertation on Superman. My book Cliffhanger uh, about movie serials of the '40s with superheroes is almost sold out. I don't. Is Captain on- Marvel the the still the best superhero oh, wow. serial? I love Spy Smasher. Actually, okay, I'll have to watch that one. Spy Smasher is amazing. Captain the Fawcett ones, Captain Marvel and and Spy Smasher, great. Captain America is actually a way better serial than you would think it'd be because it's a really shitty Captain America. But there are Dale Van Sickle's <laughs> stunts are great. The cinematography is amazing in it. Um, the final fight is just like it's it, it, it's it's it, if you let yourself sit down and watch it from a film studies perspective, it's amazing. But if you watch as a Captain America fan where the guy who plays Captain America is kind of pudgy and has a Jersey accent and uh, <clears throat> it's not so good, but the stunt <laughs> Republic we'll check it out. people. So that's, that's on sale at tomorrows.com. That's T W O morrows.com. But yeah, otherwise I'm, I'm here always teaching, always talking, never taking a break, but <laughs> Uh, and we never take a break either. We're here every week. Next week we will have. Are we doing a data link next week, Ralph? Yeah, maybe. Or, or we, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, 
I mean, we don't have anything planned, but presumably we'll be <laughs> back next week. If not, we will be back in two weeks with uh, the director and the Jedi. Um, and yeah, you can find us on Blue Sky uh, and Instagram, I guess, but mostly Blue Sky is where to find us these days. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Chris. Thanks for everybody for joining in the chat. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been a blast. It has. It's been a really great conversation. Yeah. Uh, so until next week or next time, don't give in to hate. Celebrate the love. Punch it! Punch it!